Welcome into another episode of Locked On Phillies. In today's episode, the Phillies have a doubleheader with the Nationals. We'll preview both games and talk about why this could be both an advantage and a disadvantage for the Philadelphia Phillies, depending on how things play out. We're also going to talk about some interesting numbers on the Philadelphia Phillies pitching staff and how good they've really been this year. And finally, is Brandon Marsh a plus outfielder? All of this on today's episode of Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies. Your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm Connor Thomas, your host. Thank you so much for checking us out today. Really appreciate it. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You might know me from the radio on 97.5 The Fanatic. You might know me from seeing me on television every once in a while on NBC Sports Philadelphia, credentialed Philadelphia Phillies media member. And happy to be here with you as your host of Locked On Phillies. Please make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing to the YouTube. It takes two seconds. It gives you notifications when new episodes are posted. So, Super easy way to follow Locked On Phillies, and it helps me out a little bit, too. So I'd really appreciate it if you do that, and that would be very kind of you. Uh, But appreciate you tuning in either way, uh, regardless of how you're consuming Locked On Phillies. Thank you so much for checking us out today. Last night, a washout. We had major rain and windstorm here in Philadelphia. It was a tornado warning and everything like that. Yeah, it uh, it was some rough weather out there. My big windows here that I sit in front of to do the podcast, they're like, almost floor to ceiling glass windows. And when the wind first rolled through, it kind of like came in out of nowhere. It almost sounded like it almost blew the windows out. Like it sounded like someone threw something and hit the windows. It was crazy how windy and rainy it was out there. So the great call by the Philadelphia Phillies to uh, call the game. And unlike other times, they went ahead and they called it early. They called it about an hour ahead of the first pitch. So could it have been earlier? Probably. And there were still some people who were upset who made it partway down to the stadium. But bottom line, uh, they didn't keep people sitting around for three hours because the weather was going to be super severe. So uh, better work this time on the rain delay for the Philadelphia Phillies. Now it sets up a double header with the Washington Nationals coming up today. Now, first pitch for game one is at 4.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen to every pitch of the Phillies Nationals game at 4.05 p.m. Uh, every pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast of that game, I should say, on the SiriusXM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies. And you'll be able to pull that all up here. And it sets the stage for a very interesting day. So Ranger Suarez was supposed to throw yesterday. And then he got rained out. So now it switches around, actually. It's Zach Wheeler, I believe I remember him saying this at some point last year. But he's got the first game of the doubleheader. And I think it's because he said in the past that he's more comfortable pitching the front game of a doubleheader rather than sitting around and waiting all day. So Zach Wheeler is now going to face Trevor Williams in game one of the doubleheader at 4.05 p.m. And Ranger Suarez is going to take game two of the doubleheader. It's face Josiah Gray. Uh, that will be at 7.05 p.m. or whenever the first game is finished. It's not a day-night doubleheader. It's not 1 o'clock, 7 o'clock. It's not any gap in between. It's we're going to play. We're going to get done. We got 30 minutes. We're going to go again. And uh, I don't know. So the upside of this for the Philadelphia Phillies, right, is you now have the opportunity to make a huge momentum swing in a day. Like You win both of these, it's going to be really hard for the Nationals to bounce back from that if you sweep them. Uh, if you split with them, I mean, you still get to come out of here mentally saying, okay, well, we won today. Even though we lost today, we've now won 
uh, each of the last day, three days that we played baseball. So that's a bit of a moral victory. Not that we're looking for moral victories against the Nationals. But the downside is, uh, I don't know, if your lineup is struggling, if they have a bad day offensively, you could run into a situation where in a day where you would have had a bad day and dropped one to the Nationals, now you could drop two. And like this is the double-edged sword of the doubleheader. I think it helps the Philadelphia Phillies, though, because just looking at these pitching matchups, I mean, Zach Wheeler's 8-5. Uh, with 3.71 ERA, Trevor Williams is five and six with a 4.72 ERA. I mean, Razor Suarez was more comparable. Now the Phillies get a better pitching matchup in Game One. They're 66.3 percent favorites and minus 285 on the money line. The percentage favorite is, of course, the ESPN Analytics that I always use. So that looks good. The Phillies lineup: Schwarber's going to DH, which means you got Jake Cave out in left field. Uh, it's the same lineup that they would have gone with last night. So I ran down that for you. Bryce Harper at first base. Uh, that's for game one. The game two lineup obviously has not been announced yet. You got to go ahead and wait for game one to finish before you do that. But the pitching matchup has been announced and Ranger Suarez faces off against Josiah Gray. Now, Josiah Gray has been the Nationals probably best pitcher this year when just by looking at the numbers, three, five, four ERA, that's commendable. Um, and their offense has been all right at points, their offense being the Nationals. So that's the tricky game, right? The Phillies are still showing a 61.2% chance to win, but they go from uh what was it, a minus 280-something favorite in game one, minus 285, down to minus 190 favorite. Still heavy favorites, but less so than game one. So take care of business in game one, and then game two is going to be a bit of a slog there. But if you can get to Josiah Gray, a righty, who's hittable, a 1-4-3 whip, and he's allowed 15 home runs this year, uh, you can go ahead and knock back two. I mean, two wins. Now, folks you need to watch out for on the Washington Nationals. Really, I mean, Lane Thomas leads the team in home runs. He leads the team in average. He leads the team in RBIs. He's their big guy. Uh, he's their big bopper. The Washington Nationals, as always, uh, were folks that did not add it to trade deadline, so you don't have to worry about any, like, super new faces here and everything. But, um, yeah, there's just not that much in the lineup that you're overly worried about. Uh, Lane Thomas batting 290. No one else is batting over really. Um, there's a couple guys not qualified that are batting in, like, the 280s. Um, but yeah, there's just no one really that's that good in this lineup. A bunch of minor leaguers, a bunch of guys you don't really know their name, typical of the Washington Nationals organization and their low level of play over the past couple of years. And I'm not trying to put them down just to put them down. I mean, it's not on that. Their ownership is making it tough for them to compete. They're doing what they can. It's not so much on these players as it is on the organization for not putting a competent team out there. And I'm not trying to uh, trash talk Nationals fans. I mean, they have a World Series uh, relatively recently. Uh, they've got some dark days, but they make like the organization makes good product. They just don't keep them in house, and that's no fault of the fan base or the players themselves. It's the fault of ownership, and uh, that's why when the Phillies play the Nationals, they're always so highly favored. Now, that's the part of the program where I'm being nice. Here's the part where I'm not going to be nice. This should be a sweep. This should be a doubleheader sweep of the Washington Nationals. You should win both games today. Set yourself up for a chance to easily take three or four in the series, if not win the next two days and get a sweep. That's my expectation. I don't expect the Phillies to lose either of these games. And maybe that's crazy to think, but, you know, it's funny. I wouldn't have told you a sweep was an expectation or a goal uh, and coming into the series when it was four games in four days, right? That just feels too expected. Feels like, yeah, well, you could have an off day in there, whatever. Well, now it's a three-day series, and I feel like they could sweep two games today. And then you're looking at individual games the rest of the way. It makes the sweep feel more possible, to me at least. Maybe you disagree, but to me personally, when I look at this and I see the 
doubleheader, I say, okay, well, now maybe four-game sweep is really in play for the Philadelphia Phillies against the Nationals. I'm getting way ahead of myself, and the Phillies need to take care of business today, but I like their odds against the team the Nationals are trotting out there. So that's my preview of the two uh, two games today. We'll have a recap of everything from these games tomorrow. But, again, 405 uh, first pitch for game one. You can listen to every pitch of the Phillies' hometown radio broadcast of both of today's games on the Sirius XM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies. Coming up, I want to talk a little bit about some Phillies pitching staff numbers and discuss what I thought I've seen, but what some people have been disagreeing with me on so far this year and why that's uh, the way that it is. I know that sounds kind of convoluted. I just don't want to give away any of the stats I'm giving, but the Phillies stats, uh, as far as starting pitching is concerned, put them near the top of the uh, the National League and Major League Baseball. So we will discuss as we continue Locked on Phillies. All right, I want to tell you about my friends over at BetterHelp, all right? Life's tough, man. You, you go through a lot. There's a lot of changes. There's a lot of different facets of life that you might need help with. I mean, you got your personal life. You got your work life. Uh, your relationship life, like your romantic relationships, family and everything like that. It, there's so much stuff that you have to deal with and juggle on a day-to-day basis. And it's hard to keep track of everything. Uh, everyone has days where they have to put something off to do something else or where they have to focus on something else to make sure they accomplish a different task. But mentally that can weigh on you and you shouldn't be neglecting uh, your needs. Like your mind will tell you what it needs. And if you haven't been given it the TLC that you feel that you need, to be productive every day, to be effective every day, to be happy every day, all this good stuff, well, you need to check out BetterHelp. Because sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices, like what to focus on every day. The path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationship, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the better you're going to get at it. So uh, go ahead and check out BetterHelp because they can help you get way better at it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, did I just say therapy? Therapy can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out like a brief questionnaire that they got to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge if you don't like the therapist you currently got. So you can do that and make that work out. So uh, let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash lock on MLB today and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash lock on MLB. All right. I want to get into this conversation about the Phillies pitching staff because we had it on 97 by the Fanatic on the John Kincaid show this morning. And I've said multiple times on that show that I really like what the Phillies have done with their pitching staff and, or rather what the pitching staff has done this year. I think they're one of the top rotations in baseball, maybe like top 10 conservatively top five, if I'm being a little bit more of a Homer. And there are some numbers that are out there that really, really uh, promote my way of thinking, even though some people might look at this pitching staff and get caught up in Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler's underachievement this year and say, well, no, they're, they're top guys haven't been good enough, this, that, and the other thing. Now, you can look at ERA all you want. You can look at WHIP all you want, all that good stuff. Starting pitchers, though, a huge asset they have is going deep into games. As far as pitchers who throw 100 to like 116 pitches in a game, the Philadelphia Phillies are first in baseball. They have the most consistent deep throwers in the game. That doesn't mean they're good, and that doesn't mean 
100 pitches comes in like the seventh inning. That could mean they're throwing 100 pitches, but like it's the fourth inning and they got shelled. Like that's, it's not a direct correlation, but what it means is they're innings eaters, which is part of the reason why I think the bullpen has been so successful this year. And that lends really well towards there being longevity in the bullpen come end of the season and postseason. Now, what it also means is these Phillies pitchers are going to be taxed by the time the season's over. So I would keep this six man rotation going as long as possible. Uh, while you wait for everything to get settled in with who's going to the bullpen or what. But, I mean, with Michael Lorenzen now as part of the roster, I definitely, definitely need to see uh, a six-man rotation the rest of the way. So you got that to think about. But also the Philadelphia Phillies, as far as uh, eating innings, like I was just talking about, the number of innings thrown, they're like top three in the National League. They're really good at the amount of innings they go, like six, seven, eight sometimes. That's super encouraging as far as what the numbers are with that. And they just, I, I don't know. I look at the Phillies starting pitching, and while it might not be the prettiest starts, right? Tywon Walker is a guy. Ranger Suarez is another guy who battle early. They might give up two, three runs in the first two, three innings. And then you're going to wake up in the seventh or eighth inning. Hopefully you're not sleeping through the game. But you're going to, like, notice in the seventh or eighth inning, wow, this guy is allowed like two hits the rest of the way and he's still only got 300 runs and this looks like a great start. Just the way they go about it isn't aesthetically pleasing. Aaron Nola will give up home runs, right? And it'll be bad and he'll lose games. And I'm not trying to defend him because I think he's stunk this year. But Aaron Nola will give up home runs, but it's one pitch. He'll continue to get outs and largely get most of the people he faces out. It's just the hits he gives up are devastatingly bad. But bottom line is he eats innings. He's one of the better innings eaters in all of baseball. Uh, that's why someone's going to pay him this offseason, probably not the Philadelphia Phillies. But, yeah, the Phillies pitching staff has been really, really good this year, better than they were last year. And last year you added Noah Syndergaard at the trade deadline. This year you add Michael Lorenzen, who clearly is a better option than Noah Syndergaard. I mean, Syndergaard was struggling to throw five innings last year. Lorenzen went eight innings in his debut with the Philadelphia Phillies and was very efficient. Now it doesn't mean that's who he's going to be the whole rest of the year, but it means he's capable of it. Syndergaard coming off the uh, Tommy John surgery from the year before was not yet back to himself uh, in 2022 last year when they uh, made that postseason run. So Lorenzo could be even better in this pitching staff. Just, I mean, it looks so solid. Tell me who these guys you don't feel comfortable with starting a playoff game, right? Zach Wheeler. Proven guy, got the track record, having a solid year, starting to settle into himself a little bit more uh, the longer the year goes along. I feel totally comfortable with him in a big spot. Ranger Suarez, I mean, guy's cold as ice. He's been up and down a little bit this year, but he's dealt with injuries and everything. He had a little bit of a slow start to the season. I still just know his demeanor and his rise to the occasion. Uh, I trust him in a playoff game. Tywin Walker, the guy's battled. We have no reason not to trust, uh, trust him in a playoff game. He's just a workhorse, big body pitcher who's going to get you six, seven innings. And sure, he might have a rough start while he settles in, but end of the day, more often than not, you're going to get a great start by Tywin Walker. And he's might still be the league leader in wins. He's definitely up there if he's not at the top. Christopher Sanchez, I worry about the uh, inexperience, but he's a guy that the numbers don't lie. He's been outstanding at the major league level, arguably numbers wise, the best pitcher on the staff. Michael Lorenzen, we've got a small sample size, but I told you what his credentials are and how he eats innings and how he's been really good as a starter for uh, the Detroit Tigers all year before coming here and looked great in his first start against a potential playoff team in the Miami Marlins. And finally, Aaron Ola, yeah, I don't trust him. Yeah, you thought I was going to try and talk you into why you should trust Aaron Ola, right? No, I'm, 
I'm over that. I'm not doing that anymore, Aaron. No, you fooled me a billion times. Shame on you. Fooled me a billion and one time. Shame on me. I'm not falling for that anymore. Now, the Phillies still have faith in him, I'm sure. Maybe he shows you something over the next two months and says, oh, wow, maybe he's finally hit that stride at the end of the year that the Phillies could really use him to hit. But even if you don't trust him, you can't debate the fact that the talent is there. The consistency is not. Now, I don't know that it ever will be. And that's probably why he's not going to be wearing a Philadelphia Phillies uniform next year. But the talent is still there. He still has the opportunity to go out and go like eight innings and two-hit ball against the Houston Astros like he did earlier this year. So we'll see how that plays out. But bottom line, the Phillies pitching staff is in a really, really great shape. And that helps them out in their uh, remaining schedule, the postseason, and days like today where they got a doubleheader and they got to get two good starts out of guys. It definitely helps them out. And again, today, 4.05 p.m. first pitch. Then the next game, right after, you can listen to every pitch of Phillies baseball today and the hometown radio broadcast of those games on the SiriusXM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies, and you'll be able to pull that all up there. So, yes, that's just a little bit of love to the Philadelphia Phillies starting rotation as we get ready for this doubleheader. Hopefully they don't prove me wrong and they go out and blank the Washington Nationals two times in a row. How cool would that be? Uh, 18 innings of shutout baseball. I don't see it as realistic, but, hey, the Nationals are not that good of a team. You're heavily favored in these games. Go out and dominate. I said that about the Royals, and you lose game one, and their offense looked really good. I think it would put a lot of people at ease with the amount of runs given up to the Royals in uh, this weekend series if the Phillies came out and shut down the Nationals uh, with their pitching. So we'll see what they do, but uh, we got a fun day of baseball ahead of us and hopefully one that delays what I was just talking about with the Philadelphia Phillies pitching strengths. Coming up, I also just want to kind of pose a question about something we talked about on air this morning, too, on the radio. Bring that to this side. and I've had a head-scratching argument that I need to know your thoughts on. We'll discuss as I wrap up Lock on Phillies. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about championship teams and what you need to build them. Well, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to your vehicle. You need to make sure every part fits just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories... You head to eBay Motors. It's that simple because they've got eBay guaranteed fit. You know what that is? It's exactly what it sounds like. It makes sure that you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. What you do is you just add your ride to my garage. You put in, so like, for example, I drive a 2012 Ford Mustang. That's my car. Put that into the my garage tab. And then when I look for uh, parts, they'll have a green check next to them if they've got eBay guaranteed fit and you know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, Confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And they've got over 122 million parts to choose from. You're going to be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. When you know what you're getting every single time, that would make sports boring. But it makes buying parts for your car super easy. And that's why eBay Motors is the best. So get the right parts, the right fit, and of course, importantly, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. All right, just a quick little debate here. And I've got a Twitter poll about this, actually, on my uh, personal Twitter account, at ConnorThomas975, which you see over here as I block my face. I'll use this hand. Nope, I can't get to it. Yes, right there. You see my handle. You can, if you're watching on YouTube. This makes no sense on the podcast, but at ConnorThomas975. I put out a poll about Brandon Marsh as an outfielder, because I was talking today on air about uh, what I said in yesterday's episode, how we might miss Brandon Marsh more than we think. And I started talking defensively, and the guys uh, on air were saying, oh, well, 
Christian Pache is a better defender than Marsh. He might be back soon. Um, Jan Roas is a much better defender than Marsh. Uh, you might get better defensively in the outfield once Pache is back. And I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Brandon Marsh is an above-average outfielder. And they started complaining about his routes to the ball and ill-advised plays and everything like that. I think that's insane. I think he's easily an above-average outfielder. I think his athleticism shows that. I think he takes bad routes to the ball sometimes. He's still a young player, but I just think we're it's kind of that backup quarterback syndrome, right? The most popular guy in town is always the backup quarterback because he never does anything wrong, and he's always the one that people call for when the starter messes up, but he doesn't have anything to prove. Like, that's what Yohan Roas is. Now, Roas has made some nice plays. I'm not trying to take down Yohan Roas or Christian Pache. I love both of them as players. I really do. I think they're valuable pieces for this team, just young ones that we need to see more from. And Brandon Marsh is young as well, but I just – I think he's an above-average outfielder, and there's a poll to prove that point on my Twitter feed. And right now, uh, the results seem to be going in my favor, but I just thought it was insane that I had multiple people arguing with me that Brandon Marsh was a below-average outfielder. I just don't get that at all. And maybe you feel this way. If you do, I'd love to see you jump in the comments on this episode and tell me why you think that Brandon Marsh is a below-average outfielder, because I think it's pretty clear that he's got plus glove work out there. He might take some ill-advised routes, but I think um, the fact that he gets close to so many balls that other outfielders wouldn't get to makes him look like he's making more bad plays when actually he's giving himself a better bid than the average outfielder in baseball would at some of these plays. I don't know. I just think he's a solid defender, an above-average defender. And some people didn't see that way, and that kind of broke my brain a little bit. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But I do think the Phillies are taking a step back offensively for sure, and everyone agreed with that one with Brandon Marsh missing some time with a knee contusion. Uh, but defensively, I don't think it's a step in the wrong direction or right direction at all. Like, I think Brandon Marsh would be a solid outfielder or maybe even left fielder if Rojas could play center. I think he's got a future in the outfield here, and I don't think it's going to be like Pache and Rojas over top of him one day. I, I just don't see it. I think he's a better player than those guys. But let me know what you think. Just a little interesting tidbit to leave you with as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on Phillies. But, yes, that's all for today's episode of Locked on Phillies. Thank you so much for checking us out. Really appreciate it. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Tomorrow we got two games to recap and two more games of the series to go ahead and look into. A bunch of fun stuff to discuss. And I'm also going to do some deep diving into the Christian Pache situation to see uh, how close he could be to returning. So we can discuss that, keep our outfield conversation going. So, We'll have all that to get into, but that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for checking us out. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing to the YouTube, all that good stuff. And uh, I will talk to you next time on the next episode of Locked on Phillies.